Uh, back in the 90s, no reaction whatsoever? Back in the 90s, when I was in high school, come on now, there was a, there was a popular clothing line, there were t-shirts, and they had a series of messages on them. I found a vintage one online that you can purchase if it's not sold out as this one was. Um, and it was a series of any sport you can think of that stated, just as you can see, basketball is life, soccer is life, football is life, softball is life, baseball is life, and the rest is just details. So cool. I didn't have one because I thought they were ungodly. But anyway, anyway, I remember thinking, I'm serious, I remember thinking as I observed some of my friends wearing these t-shirts, really, is that all there is to life? Really? But I bring it up because it begs the question as we ponder things like this, well then what is it about? Or, or maybe what matters the most and why does it matter? And, and, and if we're asking deeper questions like, what is the meaning of life? Does it matter that we know? And does it matter the answer? That, that sort of thing. I want you to consider that. I want you to think about that as we get back into John chapter 14. As we've been focusing over the last number of weeks on verse 6. We're in the middle of a sermon series called His Heart, Our Home. And we've been studying this chapter for weeks now. Because we have recorded the, if not the most famous, one of the most famous dinner conversations in the history of history. As Jesus is in the upper room, fancy way of saying it, the upper room discourse, uh, pastors like to call it. And we have this conversation of Jesus deliberating with his disciples what is about to come. And what is about to come is that Jesus is going to go to the cross and he's going to die for the sake of the world. And in three days he's going to rise again. He's already proclaimed this to his disciples. He's already told them, but he's telling them again. And he's going to rise from the dead, as I just said, and he's going to spend 40-some days on this earth, and then he is going to ascend, and he is going to go back to the Father. And of course, to this news, the uh, disciples are distraught. They're, they're, they're struggling with this, this, again, shocking news. And, and they're deliberating over where Jesus is going and how they can go there, too. And so they ask the question, they ask the question, how do we get there? And and how do we even know the, the way there? And of course, Jesus famously says, I'll read it for you in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the, what does he say? The life, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Today I want to focus on the life, okay? The life. We all know in our hearts, bear with my voice here, we all know in our hearts that life is precious. In fact, it doesn't take much for us to be reminded of that, and yet we do take it for granted, do we not? 
I'm talking about the treasure we have that we're even even breathing today. Tomorrow I'm conducting a funeral service, a memorial service in, in the sanctuary. I find myself, because of the thing I do for profession in circles like that, quite consistently. Last night I was with someone in the ICU on a ventilator. It's, it's in places and circles like that where it's very, very uh, eye-opening, very, very obvious that life is precious. And that we all know it in our hearts. You've uh, likely seen it while driving, while in a vehicle. Uh, a, a motorcycle whips by you and, and hops off and... They stop traffic, you know, maybe, maybe on one side and another. And, and a motorcade of vehicles with flags and flashing lights goes by, led by a hearse, a series of vehicles on their way to a cemetery. Why the formality? Why, why do we do that to, to honor life? We know in our hearts the preciousness of life, even though in society we don't necessarily live that way all the time. We know in our hearts the treasure that life is. To honor life matters to us because life is worth honoring. Just a a few Minutes from here is Fort Snelling. It's one of the largest cemeteries or national cemeteries in the United States. Did you know that? And, and, and it's here or at Fort Snelling where, where the honor guard comes out and honors those who have gone before us, um, those who... Who, who have uh, served in our, in our military. And, and uh, what they do there, uh, if, uh, if the family desires it, is they, they, they play the trumpets and they shoot off rifles in honor of the one who has passed. Right? Why the formality? Because we honor things worth honoring. There is nothing more important from the standpoint of, of what we might call the commodity we've been given than, than our, our, our time on this earth. Time, like life, like, like living. It, it's invaluable, it's, it's priceless, it's... You know, I've heard it said, you know, you can't put a, a, a you can't put a, a price on, on life. So it's this context where Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's talking about his impending death. And it's in this conversation that he says, I am the life. I mean, they're coming face to face with the reality the, the clock is ticking on, on Jesus' life. 
we, we measure life in increments. Time. Our, 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 our hearts tick in a rhythm and our lungs follow in a, in a rhythm of measurement. But think about it. Time is all we got, so to speak. James 4.14 tells us this. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Isn't that a great and positive message for Sunday morning? It reminds me of another t-shirt. Life is... Life is... Short. Life is short. Play hard. I never had that t-shirt either. Anyway, thanks for the advice. But life is but a moment as we consider eternity, is it not? It is a vapor. What James is saying, as he is really likely alluding to what we read of in Ecclesiastes, written by King Solomon, a man who had everything you would need to have. And yet at the end of his life said, but what is life? James reminds us, just as Solomon reminded us, that it just, it's here one moment and it's gone the next. Do you see where I'm going? And yet, there are seasons of life, church, in which we think we have all the time we need. We think, at least in the moment, you know what? I got nothing but time. In fact, beyond that, we might think that our life is in our hands, that we call the shots, that although in grand comparison to eternity, I still got time, and yet we acknowledge, just as the Scriptures remind us, no, that's not in our hands. So here is a question that I consider when asking the question, what are these greater and deeper things that we consider life to be, and why does it matter? Like questions like, how do you value your time? And I'm really asking, I want you to consider that. How, how do you value your time? I mean, if, if I want to be honest with you, as usually I am, I mean, I'm always honest with you. I didn't mean like I'm lying to you half the time. <laughs> anyway... Boy, I really stuck my foot in my mouth there. Anyway, but if I'm going to be open with you, I meant meant to say, I'd like to say that, you know, we all, and I certainly being one of them, know plenty of things to waste my time with. Am I the only one? And anyone else here that wastes a bit of their own time? Yeah, believe it or not, I get an update on my phone every Sunday morning during a service. I don't usually look at it, but I get an update on my phone of how much screen time I've had during the week. I don't know if that's a setting you can change, is it? Is it? Does it, does it have to show me on Sunday morning during the first service? Because every time I look at it, I'm just filled with shame. Anyway, so I put it down and I pray. Now, <laughs> no, but really... Every time I look at that, I'm like, really? Hours? Maybe not days? That's what I did with my time. I was thinking about it in this way. 
I have Apple TV Plus and Netflix at the same time. I'm not suggesting you use those. But you might have something like that. And I'm not even suggesting I use them all that much. But do I need both? No, I don't. Think about all the ways we spend our time. This precious treasure that God has given us. It's but a vapor, James says. Here's what we also proclaimed out loud together as we were worshiping from Psalm 90 verse 2. Look what it says. Let me remind you. Teach us. Teach us to number our days. Psalm 90 verse 12, excuse me. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. It just means whatever we have been given, it's a short time in comparison to eternity. So if we, if we don't count our time, if we take for granted our time, oh, we will not be spending it on what matters. Yeah, you really can't approach a question like what is life without talking about what is time and why does it matter. And to this, Jesus spoke quite a bit to what he meant when he said, what is life? One of the examples I'll show you is Luke chapter 12. And you could go there with me, but I'm going to show you on the screen. These verses in which Jesus is teaching in parable. I like when he shows us in word picture because it helps me understand, that's for sure. But I want you to understand in Luke chapter 12, really the whole chapter is about him answering this question, what is life? The whole thing's about life. In fact, we know that by hearing what is asked of him and why he answers the question and tells the parable that he does. Take a look with me at Luke 12. We're going to start in verse 13. It says, someone in the crowd, so it's a setting maybe a little bit like this. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, Jesus is preaching. Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, the reason he asked this is because Jesus is talking about death. It's not random. Jesus is talking about death and life and things the like. And he says, oh, well, since you're on the subject, um, can you tell my brother to go 50-50 on the inheritance? Because that would be that would be right of him. That would be nice of him. And you're a good moral teacher. You know what's right. That's why they're talking about these things. But the thing is, is Jesus is really trying to communicate to the crowd that that is not what life's about, even though we make it about that. I want you to hear what he says, verse 14. But he said to him, man, I wonder how he said that. Man, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life, here's some life advice, one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. It's like he's talking to Americans directly. 
No, really. Your life isn't about what you have. But you're going to make it about that. In fact, often we do. But that's not what life is about. Now, it doesn't mean these things don't matter. But Jesus is saying, that's not life. It's not that it's basketball and the rest is just details. It's not stuff and the rest is just details. Be watchful. Don't fall into the trap. Covetousness will consume you. If you put the cart before the horse, you're going to get into trouble. Kids, I'll explain what that means later. It's an old saying. And so Jesus tells them a parable. Verse 16, look on with me. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. I have too much. I've made too much. I've been too blessed. And he said, I will do this. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build larger ones. And there I'll store all my grain and goods. And to that is not really the problem. But it's the beginning of one. And I will say to my soul. After I've done all this, I'll say to my soul. Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Which is to say, it wasn't so much what he was doing, and yet what he says to his soul is so much. It's not so much that he had much. Instead, what he is really saying is, not necessarily that God takes his life for what he has, but what he's saying to his soul is, I don't need to count my days. I am the one who decides what is to come. And I have all the time in the world. And to that, Jesus says, how do you know? For tonight... When you enter into eternity, all that stuff you have, whose will it be? As if we can take it with us. What is life? Jesus is answering the question. In fact, he's telling us, this is what happens when you don't count your days. Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is, verse 21 the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Which in a nutshell means this is what life is all about. Now he goes on to say something, but before I get there, let me just speak to what it means to be rich towards God. If you want to know what life's about, this is where we begin That God has given us life and blessed us so that we could behold Him. So that we could honor and glorify Him. So that we could experience, so that we could wonder, so that we could stand in awe and amazement of what He has given us. This treasure that we have, this life. It goes for little things, it goes for big things, it goes for big things, it goes for little things. 
to, to quench my thirst when I am thirsty. What, what God has given us, life. To, to worship the Lord and feel His presence come upon us. To experience His forgiveness and His love and His grace. To, to stand on the shores of the Pacific Ocean and look out and say, Wow, I am so small. To experience spring in Minnesota when you don't think it's ever going to come. It's life. To be hugged and to hug. To, to hold a newborn baby. To, to live and breathe. And have each other to tell the good news of Jesus' life and the eternal life He offers each one of us. When Jesus says, I am the life, He is reminding us that the way to life comes through Him. It's why He begins with, I am the way. Like, like there's no other path to go because the only way to life is through me. When, when Jesus says, I am the life, He is stating there is no life without Him. And, and why can He make that claim? Or how can He make that claim? Well, well I want to begin with at least saying this. That, that our sin doesn't make us bad as much as it makes us dead. There's not really gray area there, is there? That, 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 the, that the living and yet being lifeless in sin causes us to have no chance at abundant life. We were talking about the students and I were talking about this in, in, in our in our confirmation hour, and we were talking through what really life is. We happen to be on the same subject. And, and, and one of the students said, well, we're talking about eternal life. And the other student says, we're talking about abundant life. I said, you guys get this. But really, it's about both. Because eternity begins when we know the Father. Because what sin did is it separated us from God. Because God is holy and we can't be with God if we are living in rebellion and going another way. It's very, very clear. So Jesus says, I am the way and that leads to the life. That means no life is lived without living in Him. And that is exactly what He is saying. And it reminds me of 1 Corinthians 15.45. Where it says, so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. He walked the earth. His heart was beating. His lungs were breathing. And for a little while, he had abundant life. And then they chose to go their own way. And they kept breathing. And their heart kept beating. But they weren't living. Are you living today? No, I mean, are you living living today. Abundant life only comes through Jesus. We need His Spirit. It's why He tells the disciples that I'm going to go, but something better is coming. 
Because I'm going to give you my spirit. And my spirit's going to breathe life into your life. And you're going to go on. And although I am not with you with you, I will be with you. And I will guide you. And then at the onset of your life, when it's taken from you, then you will be with me in eternity. And I want us to consider, church, what that means for us too, as disciples of Jesus. That life is precious. And Jesus has made clear what real life is all about. And yet we tend to waste our time on things that are less important, sometimes necessary, but not more important than what God has gifted us with life to be doing. Jesus said to Martha when uh, when her brother had passed away Lazarus, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And I love that. Because he goes on to say, the life that I have provided for you, the life that I have laid down for you, provides for you real living. And because of what I have done, you can live in and through me. And, and, and you can live beyond what the world is living for. Uh, beyond the temporary or the things that will, will, will be fleeting in life or beyond oneself and the selfishness that we all tend to gravitate towards. No, you can live for something more than what the world is living for because you will be living in me. So, so church, as we consider our own time, and we consider what, what Jesus is doing in our lives, I want us to reflect on the good news of the gospel that teaches us not only to number our days, but shows us that every effort and every hope that we have in ourselves will not provide for us life outside of what Jesus is doing in our heart. That no amount of effort to try just a bit harder to, to number our days and be a better person will ever bring us to abundant life. Because abundant life is only found when we receive freely the grace of God and His righteousness in us. That the good news of the gospel is that we receive it freely. We don't earn or deserve it. And because we don't earn or deserve it, he holds it preciously in His hands and calls us to follow after Him and makes a way for us to move on so that we can live an abundant life today. Church, church, we, we, we're going to respond to this message about life by way of receiving Christ just as He laid down His life. When we take and consume literally His body and blood where we remember not only what He has done for us, but where He is leading us. That, that life abundantly 
is lived with all hope for what is ahead is far greater than anything we experience in this life. And what is ahead is eternity where we will all stand before our Savior and Lord. And so as the worship team comes up and, and, and leads in the background um, and, and we come forward to communion, uh, I want you to stand with me as we respond in faith. And I'm just going to pray that you would, He would prepare our hearts to receive what Jesus has given us. And don't worry about the time, okay? <laughs> no, really. Don't, don't worry about the time because, be, because this is what we should be doing, okay? And I'll stop eventually. Um, but, but just for a moment, I want us to stand and, 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 and bow our heads and, and prepare ourselves to receive what He has given to us freely because His life, His life equals life abundantly, life eternally in His name. And that's something that he desires that we believe by faith and respond in as we go from here. So an act of faith, as an act of faith, he, he desires that we just open up our hearts and, and give him now our, our time, our, our feelings, our emotions our hopes, our dreams, our lives. Open up your heart to Him and receive His Spirit. Father God, You are so good. The fact that we have another breath to take is a picture of Your goodness. But Lord, there is no life if we go our own way, not abundant life. And so to that, Lord, we ask you to open our hearts and prepare us to receive what you have done for us. So we pray this all in your name. That our lives would be lived for your honor and glory. That what we value would be the things that should be valued. That the way we follow and the way we spend our time would be honoring and glorifying to you.